John chapter number 21 in your Bible, John 21, when pastor asked me to preach uh, this morning and he asked me to, to try to consider preaching along the theme of the month. And this month's theme is loving with eternity in view, loving with eternity in view. In other words, there's a way to love that is earthly, that is fleeting, that is temporary. And then there's also a way to love with eternity in view, a way to love that is godly, that is spiritual, and that is eternal. And so when he asked me to preach on that subject of just loving with eternity in view, my mind went to a few passages, but I kind of settled in here on John chapter number 21, and we've already read it. And if you were to take a bird's eye view of John chapter 21, no doubt thinking about love, you would settle in on those three questions that Jesus asks Peter, the conversation that Jesus has, where Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And he asked Peter that, of course, three separate times. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And then again, lovest thou me more than these? And then again, lovest thou me? And we're going to look at that, um, those questions eventually, if we get to it, will eventually address the conversation that, that Jesus has with Peter. But I was thinking about the conversation, and I saw something, just, just happened to see something that I had never seen before, really just in thinking from the marriage retreat to, to home yesterday. Just thinking about John chapter 21, I, I had a thought, and if we get to the questions, we'll get to them, but I had a thought that I wanted to share with you this morning on the subject of loving with eternity in view. Let's pray, and then we'll get into the message. Father in heaven, I pray that you would please now bless our time together. Lord, we have about 20 minutes or so to preach your word, and so I pray that you would do what, what only you can do in this time. God, I pray that you would calm my nerves and give me clarity of speech. Father, I pray that your word would be powerful as it's preached. As we look right into the pages of your holy word, I pray that it would do its work in each and every heart and life present today. Lord, as we think about love, and not only our love for you, but your love for us, may we walk away encouraged and convicted by what you've shown me through the pages of Scripture. In Jesus' name I pray and ask these things. Amen. Some background to John chapter number 21, just some things that are important for you to understand as we look at this passage. You need to know that Jesus has already been betrayed by Judas Iscariot. He's already received that kiss of betrayal, the gall of Judas Iscariot to march down there and to kiss the very cheek of Jesus in betrayal, but, but he's already been betrayed. He's already been tried and convicted and crucified. Already he's hung between two thieves and said to the one, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He's already conquered death, hell, and the grave in his resurrection, and he has sent word that he wants to meet with his disciples in Galilee. Peter on the other hand, is the leader of the apostles. 
Three times in scripture, he disagrees with Jesus. Three times, of course, just, just, uh, just three chapters prior, chapter number 18, Peter denies the Lord three times. It's a very moving scene in scripture Right there, uh, Jesus had foretold that Peter would deny him. And uh, Peter, of course, disagreed with Jesus. And, and he essentially said, I'm never going to deny you. But before the night was even over, three times, warming his hands there, I've heard preachers say, warming his hands by the devil's fire, Peter denies Jesus three times. This has already happened. Three times he's disagreed with Jesus. Three times he denies Jesus. And three times in the scriptures, Peter, as good as he is, and there's plenty of good to say about the apostle Peter, but three times he leaves and he goes back to fishing. Three separate occasions. This is one of them in John chapter 21, the last time he does it. He makes a bold declaration in verse number three. The Bible says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Peter's bold declaration was when he looked at his friends and he said, gentlemen, I'm going fishing. And I want you to understand this was not recreational fishing. This was not uh, just killing time and uh, dipping his pole in some water. And this was not for fun. Uh, this represented turning back in the life of Peter. Peter had been a fisherman, and Jesus had called him from fishing. He said, from henceforth, you'll catch men. No longer are you going to be a fisherman, Peter, but now you'll be a preacher and an apostle. And so when Simon Peter looks at his friends and he says, I'm going fishing, what he was really saying was, I'm going back to the way it used to be. I'm going back to my old life. You see, fishing was quitting. Fishing was walking away from being the man that Jesus had called him to be. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that has ever in your mind said to yourself, I'm going fishing. No longer do I want to live for God. No longer do I want to be the man that God has called me to be. I'm going back to the way I used to be. There may be some in this room who have had those thoughts. There may be some in this room who are living that life. I'm going fishing. Peter was backsliding yet again. But this time he's not alone. I want you to notice in verse number three that when he makes this declaration, I go fishing, they say unto him, look at it, we also go with thee. And while it's not the sermon, it's a, it's a, it's a very sobering reminder that when you and I sin, we don't sin alone. When you and I make choices to go back uh, to the way it used to be, you never make those choices alone. Husbands, I uh, urge you, be careful uh, the decisions that you make because you are not making those decisions alone. Hanging in my office, I have a little three-by-five card, and it says uh, the decisions that you make today will affect Minda, Alana, Derek, and Adam tomorrow. And that's true. You see, you never sin alone. You never choose alone. 
And so husbands, be careful. Uh, Be careful mothers, the choices that you make. You'll bring your children along with you uh, on that journey. Be careful teenagers. Uh, You might bring some friend along with you and you never sin alone. Uh, Be careful Sunday school teacher. Uh, Your life and your testimony are far more important than just the few minutes that you teach in a classroom. Uh, You never sin alone. And here's Peter, he's turned back, he's walked away, he is backslidden. He's made a public declaration, I'm going fishing. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I know who I'm supposed to be. But I'm going back to the way it used to be before I met Jesus. And the thought that hit me is this thought, and again, please, I apologize, this is not a perfectly polished sermon. Just a few thoughts from John chapter number 21. But here's here's the thought that really hit me. With all the backsliding and all the denying and all the rejecting and all the walking away and taking others with him, here's the thought. Jesus is still loving Peter. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Here he says, I'm going fishing and I'm walking away and he brings others with him. But as you read this chapter, what you're going to see is that Jesus is still loving Peter. This morning, I want to focus on Jesus' love for Peter. Uh, Jesus is loving Peter because Jesus is still working in Peter's life. You see, uh, Peter walks away from Jesus, but Jesus does not walk away from Peter. Peter turns his back on Jesus, but Jesus does not turn his back on Peter. You see it right there in verse number four. Uh, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. I see uh, Jesus working in Peter's life. And watch this. Peter didn't even know that Jesus was working. You know, often when we turn back, it is hard to recognize the workings of God in our life. Often when we make decisions to to backslide and to sin, it is hard for us to realize that Jesus is still there and that he's still working and that he's still speaking and that he's still trying to pull us to him. But my friends, I promise you, no matter what condition you find yourself in this morning, Jesus is still working in your life. He's working to get your attention. He's working to turn it all around. He's working to refocus your eyes on him and on eternal things. I can remember my senior year in high school. I had been saved and surrendered my life to preach. It was a dramatic thing. For a few years there, I lived for the Lord. And I don't say this boastfully, but I'll just tell you, reckless abandonment. And I was on fire for God, whatever you think that term means. My sophomore and junior year, I was on fire for God. I had left the public school and gone to the Christian school. And man, I said goodbye to some old friends and said goodbye to a lot of old habits. Children sing the songs, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. And I could honestly say that my sophomore and junior year in high school, man, I got rid of the wrong music. I got rid of the wrong crowd. I got rid of the wrong entertainment. And, and I was on fire for God, surrendered to be a preacher. My senior year in high school, I backslid terribly. Nobody could really tell from the outside You know, often it's easy to to look right 
but to not be right. And that was me. Hey, that might be some of you in this room. You put on the shirt and tie and comb the hair or whatever, hold your Bible and sit in your spot, sing in the choir. It's easy to look right and to not be right. My senior year in high school, I had gotten involved with some wrong people. And while I did not sin, you know, terribly, I'm not going to sit there and say that, you know, I went into deep sin because I did not. But, but that fire that had been lit for God had completely gone out began missing church and began just running with the wrong people. And I've probably told the story before, it was a Sunday night. I had missed church on Sunday night, never would I have missed before, but my heart was so far from God. I had missed church on a Sunday night and I remember walking home. While I was walking home, just in backslidden rebellion, I came up and going to my house there in Blue Island, there was a Ford minivan parked on the side of the road. It was my bus captain that had reached me. He had parked right in front of my house. His windows were rolled down. And the closer I got to that van, I could hear him praying. Lord, help Abdel not to mess up his life. And Lord, be with Abdel and help him to stay clean. Help him to stay pure. I don't know what's going on, but Lord, would you please uh, keep him safe and put a hedge of protection around him? I can remember I got up to that van and I looked into the face of a man named Bill Smith, a layman who had reached me and it all came together. You see, Jesus was still working in my life. I didn't recognize all the signs, but I recognized that one loud and clear. I had turned my back on him. I had walked away from him, but he wasn't walking away from me. You see, before we get to the questions, I want you to notice the love of Jesus in Peter's life. And you may not recognize it, but I promise you that Jesus is trying to work in your life right now. You may not hear his footsteps in the home, but he's there. You may not feel his presence at your school, but he's there. You may not see him when you punch in for work tomorrow, but he's there and he's working. And regardless of the choices that you've made, he is working in your life. I see the workings of God in Peter's life, but not only that, I see the goodness of God in Peter's life. Here's a man who did not deserve goodness, did not deserve blessing. But we see the goodness of God in Peter's life. In verse number six, the Bible says that after they had toiled all night and caught nothing, the Bible says this in verse six, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find they cast therefore and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. You see, Jesus is loving Peter. Jesus is working in Peter's life, even though he doesn't recognize it. And Jesus is being good to Peter. He, he's blessing him. He gives him these fish, this great multitude of fishes. So many that typically the nets would break. But in verse number 11, when Simon goes to examine the nets, it says, that for uh, all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. The goodness of God in Peter's life. And if all of you would take an assessment right now, I think you would agree with me that God has been good. God's been good to me. Hey, if you're looking at one person that God has been good to, God has been good to me and God has been good to you. Kids that love me, a ministry the Lord's given to me, a wife that I do not deserve, friends in this room, and frankly, around the world, and all because of the goodness of God. 
You see the workings of God in Peter's life, the goodness of God in Peter's life, but I see something else. I see the reminders that God sends Peter's way. Peter is coming to land. He's fished all night. He's tired. He's wet from the spray of water. He's cold. He's weary. And the Bible says in verse number nine, as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. That little phrase, a fire of coals. Matter of fact, turn over to John chapter number 18. I just want to show this to you. Uh, that night where uh, Peter betrayed Jesus, I want you to look at it. The Bible says uh, in verse number 15, John 18, 15, the Bible says, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there, look at this, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Verse number 26, one of the servants of the high priest being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. I want you to notice in verse number 18, the fire of coals. In verse number 9, we see again a fire of coals. Just a gentle reminder. Well, I love the fact that God does not excuse Peter's sin, God does not hide Peter's sin. God does not cover up Peter's sin, but he gently reminds him. No doubt as he saw that fire of coals, he was reminded of the day when he denied the Lord three times. And then no doubt as he saw the fish and the bread there, the Bible says in verse number nine, I believe he was probably reminded of the feeding of the 5,000, the multitude of fishes, another time in his life where Jesus took some, some uh, bread and some fish and multiplied them. And I believe as Peter is standing there uh, uh, wet and cold and ashamed and full of guilt, he sees that fire of coals. He's reminded of his sin. He sees the bread and the fish. He's reminded of the faithfulness of God. He's reminded of a God that never runs out of grace and never, just like he was passing those fish and those bread to 5,000 people, he sees it again and he's reminded, hey, Peter, there's more mercy in God than sin in you. Just some gentle reminders that God was sending Peter's way. You ever been reminded of some things? You ever go to a place and maybe remember, man, it was here where God blessed or it was here where I failed. The truth of the matter is, in John 21, Jesus is working in Peter's life. Jesus is good to Peter. Jesus is reminding Peter of his failures, but he's also reminding Peter of his own faithfulness. Boy, you talk about eternal love. Church family, I'm almost done, but think about it. You talk about eternal love. Of all the places Jesus could have been, of all the people Jesus could have been speaking to, here he is with Peter. And I just happen to believe this. 
Jesus is looking at Peter, but he's not thinking about the failure. He's not thinking about the fishing. He's not thinking about the sin. I think Jesus is looking at Peter, and he's probably thinking about Pentecost. He's probably thinking about thousands getting saved and the testimony that Peter would be. You see, it is second-level Christianity to look at somebody and to not see who they are, to not see where they've been, but to see what they could be in the will of God. And my friend, as Jesus looks at you today, you may be reminded of your failures. You may be reminded of your faults. You may be reminded of your sin, but I promise you, he's looking at you, not for what you've done, not for where you've been, but he sees in you what could be there if only you'll humble yourself and get right the way that Peter gets right this night. And that is how I want to look at people. I want to look at people and love people with eternity in view. I want to look at my wife. I want to look at my children. I don't want to see their failures. I don't want to see their yesterday. I want to see what could be there if only God would do a work in their life. Jesus wasn't looking at the fishing. He wasn't looking at the coals of fire. He was seeing far beyond that. It's time for some of you, listen, some of you need to get your eyes off the past and look to the future, what God wants to do in your life. See the faithfulness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God that never runs out. See the patience of God. He's there, the, the, the fire of coals is warm. It's reminded you that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Second level, second level love to see people not for who they are, what they've done, but what they could be. That same bus captain who helped me through a time of backsliding, backsliding, he was there, I mean, all the way through. I owe so much to that man. He loved me. When I had nothing to give to him, he loved me. I remember he used to take me on Friday nights to the Gospel League home there in Chicago. At the time, I don't even know if it still exists today, but at the time, it was a place for battered women. Ladies just struggling. That man in his 30s, would take me there. He'd gather all the ladies together. I was probably 17 years old, not even in college yet. He'd gather all the ladies together. He'd, he'd lead all the singing. He'd make all the announcements, and then he would do this, and I remember it like it was yesterday. There I was, 17 years old. I mean, just having been backslidden for much of my senior year. I got right with the Lord, and he took me to this mission every Friday night, and he would do all the work and drive me there. Then he would say, then he would say, ladies, tonight, and he would say this, he would say, tonight, you are going to hear from a great preacher. I was not then and am not now a great preacher, but he would say that. You want to know what he was doing? He was loving me. He was seeing not what was there, but what could be there if I would just submit to the Lord. And he would say that. I would sit back and preach sermons, and, and uh, he would say amen. And man, I owe so much to that man who loved me, who saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. Loving with eternity in view. He loved me with a love that was not petty, that saw past failure, that saw what I could become by the grace of God. And that is exactly how Jesus saw Peter. And that is exactly how Jesus looks at you today. He's there waiting for you. He, he does not see your failure and your sin. He's, he's just waiting patiently. 
He's not going to excuse your sin. You'll have to deal with it. But he's reminding you that there's more mercy in God than sin in you. The workings of God, the goodness of God. I see the, the uh, loving of Jesus. And then I see this. Ultimately, the reminders that God sends Peter's way. And then ultimately, the questioning of Peter. And we'll end with this. But I do see the questioning of Peter in this chapter. In verse number 15, the Bible says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas. Hey, by the way, that's his old name. Son of Jonas. You see, Peter had gone back to living that old life. Peter had gone back to... That, that old uh, uh, profession of fishing. And so now Jesus finally, after he's patient, after he waits, after he works, after he expresses his love, after he's reminding him, now he starts to deal with the issue. And he says this to a backslidden Peter, son of Jonas, the man you used to be living your old life, Jesus used his old name. And he had one question for him. And that's it. He asked the question three times. But just one question to consider. And I'm speaking to a church full of people today. And I have no idea what is going on in your life, where you're at in your life. No idea. I have no idea if you're sitting here today living with guilt and shame from sins that have been committed. I, I don't know. I don't know if you're sitting here today and, and maybe you've made public declarations like I'm going to go back and just the way it used to be, and I, I don't know. But I have one question for you to consider, and it's the only question that Jesus asked Peter. He said, Peter, in verse number 15, lovest thou me more than these? So my question for you today is very, very simple, church. It's so simple, it's embarrassing. Do you love Jesus? I mean, sitting here, sinful, maybe backslidden, maybe a lot of regrets in your past, maybe, maybe you made decisions last night that are embarrassing. If Jesus were here, he would not bring any of it up. He would ask you one question. Do you love me more than these? I've often thought about what are the these, and I've had long conversations, you know, lovest thou me more than these? What exactly was Jesus talking about here? Was Jesus talking about the friends that surrounded Peter? Did Jesus look at the other apostles that were there and did he say, hey, Peter, do you love me more than these people? More than your friends? That's a wonderful question to consider, isn't it? Do you love Jesus more than your friends? Do you love Jesus more than your family? Do you love Jesus more than the people that you're surrounded by? People bring problems and they bring pressures and sometimes they can cause us to sin and, and put us in uh, uh, questionable circumstances. But listen, every time we come to temptation, we ought to ask ourselves, do we love Jesus more than these? More than the people, more than the friends. Maybe it wasn't the friends at all. Maybe he was looking at the 
153 fish that had been brought in. 153 fish. I've tried to figure out how much money that was worth, and I've run out of time, so you Bible scholars let me know. But here's what I know. It was a lot. That fishing was Peter's old way of life. He knew that business, and he knew it well. And God had called him from it. And here he is with quite a haul of fish. They caught fish so that they could sell fish. And here he is looking at 153, so much fish. The net should have broken, but it didn't. Maybe in that moment, Jesus points at the fish and he says, hey, Peter, do you love me more than these? That's a great question to consider, isn't it? Lovest thou me more than these, more than the friends and the people around you, more than the fish that you caught last night? More than the material things and the, 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 the material goods, lovest thou me more than these? And he asks him three times. We could get into the whole phileo and agape, and I, I, I just think this, look. To be asked the question three times in a row. Peter, do you love me more and boy, you know, I, I got thinking about this, Brother Anderson. I don't even think Jesus was saying it's wrong to love these friends and it's wrong to love these fish. I think he was saying, do you love me more? Do you love me more? What a question to ponder as we think about living with eternity in view, as we think about living for the Lord in 2023. Can you honestly say that you love Jesus more? More than the people that surround you at work and at home and more than the material goods that clamor for your attention. Nothing wrong with any of it, but do you love Jesus more? You love him more. And he asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And Jesus says, no. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Three times. I think that third time, well, the Bible says that third time Peter was grieved because he knew exactly what Jesus was asking. More than all these things that you can see, hey, Peter, I've demonstrated my love for you. I'm here. I showed up. I'm working in your life. Look at the fire. Remember the miracles that you've seen, Peter. Do you remember? Can I remind you of it? Think about how good I've been to you, Peter, and here I am. And I have one question, Peter. Do you love me more? Do you love me more? Peter finally gives the answer. The Bible says he was grieved because he said to him the third time, lovest thou me, in verse 17. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. And thou knowest that I love thee. And then Jesus said unto him, this, this isn't in there, but it's in the Greek. Good. Now feed my sheep. This is what Jesus said. Peter, if you love me, then right now, right now, I want you to serve me. Right now, feed my sheep. Peter, you backslid immediately. You backslid quickly. And now I want you to quickly get right back with God and serve me right now. Feed my sheep sheep. 
loving with eternity in view. Seeing not just what's there, what has been there, but what could be there by the grace of God. And serving Jesus immediately. And so I've got a question for you. Question for me. Do you love Jesus more than fill in the blank? I'm a bus kid, and so bus kids have a lot of habits, and one of the things they like to do is they like to steal from the church. They steal chips, they steal pop, they steal offerings, they steal all kinds of things from the church. And I can remember as a bus kid brand new to the church, with a quote, so please forgive me, but I stole a songbook. <laughs> I brought it home, and I would, just read, I, I would just read the words. They were beautiful words in those songbooks. And page four of whatever hymnal I was looking at, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't know if it's your hymnal or not. But when I got to page four, I came across a song that would arrest my attention for the rest of my life. It's my favorite hymn. It's quite simply, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. I read it. I didn't even know the tune, but I read it. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love or sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast Yea, in the death of Christ my God, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. And when I got to verse number four, just as a teenage boy, I could hardly read it. But it said, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, in my all. Friends, let me promise you something right now. Let me promise you something. Jesus is working to get your attention. He's there. He's been good to you. He's reminding you even right now, and he'll continue to remind you of his faithfulness and of his goodness, no matter where you've been or what you've done. There's some of you in this room this morning, perhaps you're lost. Perhaps you've never been saved. Jesus Jesus is not thinking about who you are. He's thinking about who you can become if you would get saved this morning. And maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You have one question to answer, church. One qu That's it. That's it. Do you love Jesus more? Do you love him more? More than what, Brother Judah? Fill in the blank. Answer that question right. Put Jesus in his proper place. Everything else will fall into place. Loving with eternity. And